Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Mosaic Church. My name is Eric. I get to be one of the pastors here. I just want to say welcome to you all. Uh, a few years ago, I'll never forget when I thought the ceiling was going to collapse on top of my head, and it scared me to death. So a few years ago, we were living in Wisconsin, renting a duplex, and our landlord told us, hey, uh, there's some leakage going on, and so we got to fix the roof. I'm like, Okay, no worries. So we're hanging out that time. We just had Josh and Rebecca. So we were in the townhouse. I think I was hanging out with the kids, doing something. And I knew they were working on the roof, and it was loud, and you know, whatever. You're kind of used to it. And then all of a sudden, the loudest crash I think I've ever heard in my entire life happened. And literally, the ceiling fell out onto our floor. I think I have a picture. You can put that up there, Josh. Yeah, so you can see that hole goes all the way up into the sky. Um, and uh, what I didn't get a picture of, because I went to help him, was when I looked over, there were just some legs dangling out of that hole. I don't know what happened in the roof repair, but the guy went through our roof, and his legs were just hanging out from the ceiling. So we went quick, got a ladder, whatever, I helped him out. Then I took a picture of it, because I was like, wow. But that was the day when, man, the ceiling was collapsing, felt like it was all coming apart at the seams. And maybe that hasn't happened in your life, where you've looked up and seen some legs dangling, or you thought your roof was coming apart at the seams. But I'm sure you've had some kind of moments in your life where it felt like, man, uh, what is going on? That, that, that something took you by surprise, and it felt like your world was crashing down. Maybe out of nowhere, you lose your job, and now you're scrambling to figure out, hey, what's next? You know, maybe out of nowhere, it seems like your spouse informs you, hey, I'm going to counseling. Are you coming with me or not? You know, and it's like, okay, I guess things are worse off in our marriage than I thought they were. I think we've all had these moments that have kind of knocked us off our feet, moment where it felt like everything was crashing down. So what do we do? Where do we turn to? When it feels all uncertain, it feels like the roof is caving in on us. Fortunately, we're not the only ones to feel that way. I think everyone has gone through that. And there's this family in the Bible that we've been following along with for several weeks now. And they had some crazy stuff happen in their family. And we're going to spend the next month or so looking at this guy named Jacob and this family he's going to build. But he comes from this pretty messed up family. And we've been following along in his family. We learned about his grandfather, Abraham and his dad, Isaac, and we're seeing it's pretty messed up. Last week, we dove into the story of Jacob and learned that Jacob, he's a sinner. He's a late bloomer. I want to pick up his story. He's around the age of about 40 years old. No wife, no kids. He just took advantage of his, his blind dad, uh, stole from his twin brother, and then as soon as conflict comes, what does he do? He runs away from that, and he's running for his life. But both U2 and Led Zeppelin wrote songs about Jake, Jacob, so he must be important. So that's why we're going to study him. So we've been in the book of Genesis for about six months now, since last October. And quick synopsis of the first 27 chapters in about 60 seconds. First, you have creation. God created the world, 
and created us to be in relationship with him. But Genesis 3, we see the curse comes in, and we live under the effects of sin in our world, and there's disease. And so what do we do? How do we combat the curse? Well, then God gives his covenant, and that's his answer to the curse. Covenant is the language of the Bible for relationship with God. He works with you to save you. He offers his hand of friendship. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, that covenant is God's answer to curse and his way to bring us back to the innocence and perfection of creation. A covenant is God's answer to curse and his way to bring us back to the innocence and perfection of creation. In Genesis 12, God establishes his covenant with Abraham, this godless pagan man living in a pagan land, and he calls him out of Babylon into the promised land. And then Abraham has a son through this real miracle, and the son Isaac. And then Isaac, he went through some infertility too, and then eventually had these twin boys. So now God has got to decide, okay, which of these twin boys am I going to have the covenant promises go through? And honestly, neither one's really a great option. It's like, okay, God, you've established your covenant with Abraham and Isaac, and now which one of these twin boys do you want to pick, Jacob or Esau, right? Both, honestly, we saw last week, are pretty messed up and broken. It's kind of like asking, like, do you want to kick in the head or kick in the kneecap? Which one is better? It's like, ah, neither one, right? So Esau, he's a man's man. He, he drives a truck, likes to go hunting. He listens to Toby Keith. Uh, he chews tobacco. He's got a couple of wives. But he trades away his birthright, a huge chunk of his inheritance, for a bowl of soup. Like, this is not someone who makes good decisions. Then we've got his brother, Jacob. Jacob is a mama's boy. He can't grow a beard. He can't win a fight. He's a trickster. I think of actually these boys, you're a fan of like the MCU Avengers and stuff, like really, truly, Esau is Thor and Jacob is Loki. That's really their personality types. I think that's where it comes from. So it's like, okay, God, who are you going to pick, Thor or Loki? He picks Loki, the trickster. It's like, really? Okay, that's the one you're going to go with. But God is going to elect Jacob. He's going to save Jacob. The problem is that Jacob is... He's lying, he's deceiving, that's the only good things that he's good at. He doesn't look very much like a godly man or a future patriarch. But eventually, Jacob, he's going to get his name changed to Israel. He gets a whole country named after him. So how does he go from Jacob the trickster to this patriarch, Israel, that has a whole nation named after him? How does he go from this pathetic mama's boy who can't grow a beard, is afraid of a fight, to a godly man who's one of the founders of our faith? It's like right now, Jacob, he's a loser, right? And you might, Eric, that's a little, little harsh. But he's not married. He's living in his parents' house. He does, hasn't taken a wife or a job. He's just a rich kid living in his parents' house. And it's not like he's 21 years old. Again, he's around the age of 40. But God is going to pick this guy? What we're going to see this morning is what happens when God shows up in the middle of nowhere. And it's particularly when you're in seasons of transition or trouble. And I'm hoping that if that's where you're at, that you'll see that when we're in places of transition and trouble, God's going to show up to reveal he's been there all along. And I want to write that down, that if, when we're in seasons of transition and trouble, God shows up to reveal he's been there all along. He's been there with us. That is one of the greatest promises that we have, is that we are never alone. That God is with us when we're in transition, when we're in trouble. Some of the greatest things God's going to do in our lives are in seasons of transition. When we're uncertain about what's next, when we feel like, ah, I'm living out of a suitcase and I'm not sure what's next, that's where God can show up and do some deep work in us because we're not in the comfort of routine and we're a little more open and aware to God speaking to us and doing something with us. So what do you do 
when you and I, when we're broken, alone, and rejected. Maybe some of you feel that way right now. And, and, and some of you might say that, you know, when, when your pain is even the result of your own actions, like, man, I've messed up, so I'm sure God has turned his back on me. But what we see in this story, in the whole Bible, is that it's the opposite. Even when we mess up, even when it's our own fault, that when we're, we're down, sleeping in the grave that we dug with our own hands, those are the times the Bible tells us we're most likely to encounter the living God. And when we've messed up, when we're broken, when, when we're at our wit's end, and we think there's no way God's going to show up here, that's when he chooses to show up. When we have no friends, when we have no money, when we've sinned big and are facing the consequences of our actions, when we're uncertain about what's next, God shows us up and meets us there. Those are the times God steps in. That's what we're going to see in Jacob's story, and I think that's gonna, you're going to see that in your own life, too. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis 28, verse 10. We're going to follow Jacob's story. So if you remember, Jacob, he deceived his, his dad, his blind dad. He ripped off his brother, and now he's on the run. 28, verse 10. So Jacob left Beersheba, where his family was, and went toward Haran. That's where kind of his cousins live. So why is he leaving home? He ripped off his hairy wookie of a brother. He's running for his life because his brother wants to kill him. And up to this point, as far as you know, Jacob has never left home. Uh, but God is going to separate him from his parents, and especially his mama, who he's unhealthily uh, attached to, so, so he can work on Jacob's faith. See, right up until now, Jacob has just been borrowing his parents' faith. He's known about the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, but he doesn't have his own relationship with God yet. He's a late bloomer. And this is good news that I think some of you maybe have adult kids or maybe some of you young adults, and, and it's like, man, I don't really know if I have my own faith, but God still pursues those who are even just borrowing their parents' faith. And, but at a certain time, we have to all say, hey, is this my faith or just the faith I inherited from my parents? So Jacob's going to go on this 500-mile journey to stay with relatives he's never met before. He's not even sure you know, how these relatives are going to receive him. If I can contextualize it, this is like Jacob leaving uh, Wyzetta School District, you know, and all the good stuff, uh, the rich parents, they have the boat, you know, on Lake Minnetonka, and he's going to live with his redneck cousins, you know, in northern Wisconsin, who are, you know, beer drinking, fast food eating, tobacco chewing Packer fans. That's kind of the, the transition here, that Jacob's going from Wyzetta to northern Wisconsin. But he has no other choices. He's on this 500-mile journey, and about 50 miles into it, he stops for the night. Verse 11. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. So it's dark. And taking one of the stones of that place, that's all he's got, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And our narrator, he's painting a vivid picture. Jacob, he's just in the middle of nowhere. He's using a stone as a pillow, which means he has no other options. He's penniless with no possessions, no camper, no tent. He's got nothing. Jacob is alone. He's poor. He's really dishonored for what he did to both his brother and his dad. See, he thought he was going to get blessed by his dad. Now he's just stressed and living in this great big mess of his own making. And he's separated from everything he knows, from everyone he knows. And I imagine maybe that even the people in the community are starting to hear what he did, that he deceived his blind dad. He ripped off his brother. And so he's on the run. And perhaps worst of all, Jacob has left the promised land. When he's on the run. And the one who had to dress in his brother's clothing is now stripped of everything, including all his masks. And none of those masks is not a very pretty picture. 
Have you ever had one of those Jacob moments where maybe you presented a false picture to others and then, you know, things came crashing down and, and now you're kind of stripped bare and maybe you've been alone or poor or embarrassed or ashamed of what you did? I mean, I've been there. I'm embarrassed to admit that when we lived in Wisconsin for three years, I became a Packers fan. And, and that's what I felt like I had to do. And then I woke up and became a Seahawks fan. Uh, and then a Vikings fan again. So, you know, but sometimes we have these moments. But here's the amazing thing is that God wants to get to Jacob. So God's going to show up in the middle of nowhere when Jacob has nothing. God's going to show up in the middle of nowhere when Jacob has nothing. Verse 12. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, your father, and the God of Isaac. So God shows up. He's like, hey, I'm the God of your grandpa. I'm the God of your dad. And now I've come to save Jacob. Jacob's dad and grandpa had faith in God, but now it's time for Jacob to develop his own faith. He's been borrowing their faith, but now it's time to have his own question is jacob pursuing god in this moment or is god pursuing him jacob isn't looking for god but god is looking for jacob this is the theological language of predestination now we can get all weirded out with our theological discussions on predestination and election but here's what it means you and i are hopeless until god shows up amen see we don't find god you didn't find god god finds us God's not lost. We are. When my kids are lost, what do I do? I go find them. That's the Christian gospel. We run away from God, and God is on a mission to find his kids. God initiates, and then Jacob responds to God's initiation. God initiates first, and then we respond. We have a part to play, but God shows up pursuing us in the middle of our mess and offers us the hand of friendship and says, hey, come have a relationship with me. See, we believe in grace. Grace means God humbly steps down. He comes down to our level. He accommodates himself to us. He's up in heaven and he comes down to where we are like a good dad who gets down on the level with his kids. We're not ascending some stairway to heaven or some mountain up to God. God is coming down to us. He's our loving, merciful, compassionate God. And God is infinite grace. He's going to give some promises now to Jacob. Verse 13, he says, The land in which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north, to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So he's repeating his promises to Abraham, to Isaac. He's saying, hey, the whole world's going to be blessed through you. Because someone's going to come from your line, the whole world's going to be blessed. He's talking about Jesus. But, he, but through his line, how's this going to happen? Does Jacob have a wife yet? Does he have any kids yet? Does he have a really family? No. But apparently he's going to have a lot of kids. His life's going to look a lot better, but it's going to get messy. We're going to find out next week he actually gets two sister wives. And, and you know, one who's beautiful, one of cow eyes. So we're going to talk about that next week. But what we're going to see is that God is going to put some adversity in Jacob's life before he blesses him in order to develop some character in him. So I, I was thinking about this this week, and I was like, this is basically the ABCs of how our Heavenly Father deals with us put some adversity in our life before he blesses us to develop some character in us. So often, maybe God will promise something to us, but before we can receive that blessing, 
We need to develop the character. And so we're going to go through some tough times to build the character that we need in order to receive the blessing that he wants to pour out on us. That's oftentimes how our good father operates with us. So God tells Jacob, hey, you're going to be a dad. I'm going to build, use you to build a nation, the nation of Israel. It's like, man, again, would you have picked this guy? If you were in God's human resource department, and God comes to you and says, hey, I want to pick someone to start this new nation that Jesus is going to come from to bless the whole world. It's like, find me that guy. Israelite 1.0, the first Israelite, right? Would you even interview Jacob? It's like, well, I see here he's a good thief on his resume. He's good at ripping off blind old men. He's a mama's boy. He lives at home at the age of 40 with no job. He hasn't pursued a woman or found a wife yet. So yeah, let's, let's go with this guy, right? So why does God do this? Why does God choose people like Jacob? Why does he do that? So that everyone knows it's God who pulls it off, right? That's why God uses imperfect, broken people like me. To say, hey, because it's all him. It's not us. Often, God picks and selects those that makes no sense so that he gets all the credit. Amen? Verse 15. And then God says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I'm going to bring you back to this land. I'm going to bring you back to the promised land. For I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? There is none other. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. What was Jacob's situation? Number one, Jacob was all alone. He's got nobody and nothing. And what does God promise him? I'm going to be with you. He says, hey, you're not going to be alone forever. You're going to have a great big family. And then, Jacob, you're never going to be alone because you have kids around you all the time, right? Even in the bathroom. Can I get an amen from the parents? Never alone. Number two, Jacob, he's poor. What is, he's using a rock for a pillow. He's 40 years old. He had to leave everything and move into his crazy Uncle Laban's house. The, the Packers family is in the family. But God says, hey, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you and your family all this land. God is doubling down the promises he gave to his grandpa Abraham and his dad Isaac. He says, you're poor right now, but someday you're going to be very wealthy. You're going to have all these blessings, and I want to use you to be a blessing to others. Number three, Jacob was dishonored. He'd done some bad stuff, and he's running from that. What does God say? Hey, I'm going to establish you as the third patriarch. People are going to refer to me as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like, there's going to be honor in your name. Right now, you're really dishonored, but I'm going to give you honor. It's like, wow, this is a pretty big deal. Like, I'm going to bless you even in this mess. Now, I imagine these words were like life to Jacob's soul. And words are great, but these words don't come alone. See, God is not just a God of words. The first chapter of the Gospel of John tells us that he is the word made flesh that dwelled among us. And the Hebrew here in this passage suggests that God is talking to uh, Jacob. He's literally standing over Jacob in this moment. He's both in heaven and standing above him at the same time. And this is really a foreshadowing of the great wrestling match Jacob's going to have in a couple chapters with God. But God is both in heaven as well as here on earth. He rules from his throne in heaven, but he's also close to us in the lonely desert places in the wilderness. Psalm 34, 18 says of this, one of my favorite verses, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Yes, God is our great God. He's a great king. He's amazing. He's powerful. He rules from heaven, but he's also near to the crushed, the brokenhearted. 
the grieving, the hurting. And here's the amazing thing about Jacob's ladder that he sees this vision. This ladder is from heaven. It's not what, not what Led Zeppelin said. It's not a stairway to heaven. See, every world's religion is a stairway to heaven. Buddhism, the noble eightfold path. Islam, the five pillars. Judaism, really the Ten Commandments. Hinduism, you have karma and nirvana. Christianity is the only religion where the ladder comes to us. And not only that, the ladder is a person. In John 1, after John Penzel's beautiful words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God. In verse 51, Jesus is talking to some guys who are going to become his disciples, and here's what he says. He says, and he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I tell you the truth, and this is how the NLT does it. I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open, this is referring back to Jacob, and the angels of God going up and down the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus is the ladder. He's the way to heaven. He's the way, the truth, and the life. See, Jesus shows up when we're in the middle of nowhere, when we're in times of transition or trouble, when we're alone and poor and dishonored. Jesus shows up in the middle of our mess. He comes to save us and extend the hand of friendship and enter into a covenant relationship with us. I think that's so beautiful. We're in that mess. Jesus, who is the ladder, who is the word turns flesh, comes to us. And not, not based on our merits, but because of his love for us. Well, here's Jacob's response. Verse 18. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he put his head on, and he set it up as a pillar to be poured oil on top of it. And he collected the name of that place. He called the name of that place Bethel. Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at the first. So Jacob gets saved. He meets God, starts this relationship. But let's be honest, he doesn't have a great prayer life at first. Here's what Jacob says. Verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in his way that I go and give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace. If God does all these things, if he gives me food and shelter and clothing and brings me back, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So first, God becomes his Lord. He says, hey, you are my Lord now. Second, he sets up an Ebenezer. Craig talked about this a couple weeks ago, but Ebenezer is this idea in Scripture. It's a stone of remembrance. This is so you don't forget who God is and what he's done. In our own lives, we can do this in many different ways. You can do this through journaling, of taking notes of what God has done. You can make a quilt. You can put signs in your house of, hey, this is to remind me of this time when, when God spoke to me. Different things in your home that have significance or memory. You can plant a tree. You can literally set up a rock. We do these things to remind ourselves of the way God has moved in our lives. Third, he promises again to give back to God 10%. This is the tithe. It's not something that God commanded him to do, but it's spontaneous and joyful. Man, out of overflow of my heart, I'm promising to give back to God. But let's look at his prayer again. What did he start with? If. But the ifs are terrible. What if God had given Jacob an if-then blessing? It's like, Jacob, if you stop lying, then I'll be with you. Jacob, if you start tithing, then I'll financially bless you. Jacob, if you get just one thing, one thing right in your life, well, then I'll give you this land. But see, God's blessing is one of grace. It's not one of ifs. 
And see, we can't tithe our way or work our way into God's favor. We can't buy a stairway to heaven. It's purely God's grace. So Jacob started this story at the worst possible moment, but God doesn't turn away from our mess in this. Maybe this morning God is saying to you, hey, it's time. You've been in some transition. You've been running. You've been hiding who you are, and now it's time for those masks to come off. It's time to meet with God. I believe God has a purpose for you. Don't give in to the fear of failure. Let God speak to you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I just want to encourage you, maybe there's one of three next steps for you today. And because I'm kind of a baby boomer-ish pastor, they all start with S. So you can write these down if you want. But number one, maybe your next step is salvation. Really, this is really the start of Jacob's relationship with God. Maybe for you, you've realized you've borrowed your parents' faith or just it hasn't been your own. And, and you need to take that step of just being a passive observer of God and there's that, that, that line of faith, and you step over and say, okay, you know what, I don't have all my answers, but today I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus and, and him alone. Maybe that's your next step. Number two, maybe your next step is a stone of remembrance, this Ebenezer. Maybe there's something God has done in your life. And maybe even just tonight you're like, man, you know, I, I've kind of taken that for granted. I've just been a little casual with how God has shown up in my life. I want to encourage you, Take some time, like slow down. Like really think through, like where has God led you these last 12 months? Think about where you were 12 months ago. Some of you, I didn't know you 12 months ago. And, and, and now, hey, God has led you here to our church and we're so glad that you're here. You know, maybe you weren't married 12 months ago. You know, maybe you had a different job or I don't know. But really think through, like man, how has God shown his faithfulness to us in the last several months, the last year or so? And what are you doing to remind yourself of that, to set up a stone of remembrance? Maybe there's something you need to do, like just in your house or in your own personal time or just something you need to do to say, hey, I don't want to forget all of God's goodness, how he's been chasing after me, how he's been faithful. Because I truly believe blessing really flows out of a heart of gratitude. And, and, and that when, when, we, when we have the sense of gratefulness to God and, and, and we don't just take it all for granted, we're like, wow, God, thank you. Thank you for the little things. Thank you for the big things. That when, when we have this attitude of gratitude and, and, we're, and we're grateful for him, God all the more wants to pour so many more blessings out to us so we can be conduits of that blessing to others. Again, I'm not just talking about health and wealth and these different things, but different kinds of blessing. So again, maybe just this is a great time of the year, you know, kind of past uh, Mother's Day and before really the craziness of summer fully kicks off, this time to stop and slow down. Yesterday, I got the chance. Uh, Northwood Church is, is one of our Maple Grove churches. There's, again, about 10 of us Maple Grove churches, pastors. We meet together for lunch. We encourage each other, pray for each other. We're doing our summer um, night of worship coming up here uh, end of July. And they're getting ready to build their very first building uh, over by the new Target. And they've been portable for 20 years. Uh, I met a guy uh, yesterday morning because uh, I got invited to come to the, it'd be like a, a, a Friday night and a Saturday, kind of a time of their staff and leadership coming together. Again, to do some of this, just to remember where God has led them and then to pray about what's next. And one of the guys I sat next to 
Uh, he's been on the setup and packup team there for 23 years, since day one. I was like, well done, good and faithful servant. I've been doing it for about 22 years, so he had me beat, uh, which I haven't met many people who've done it longer than me, so I was like, well, well done. Uh, but I got to just kind of speak uh, into them and over them and, and, and pray for them. And, and again, it was just a reminder, though, of how important it is to take time and be like, man, remember when we were praying you know, about land or getting approval and these things, and now they're about six weeks away moving into their first building. They're so excited. But it's so good for us to take time to just remember. The third thing, again, pastors only talk about money. It's here in the text. But maybe your thing is to start tithing. Uh, Jacob says, hey, God, again, if you do all these things, I'm going to give back 10% to you. What we see in the Bible is that, uh, that, that oftentimes there is this language of the first 10% belongs back to God. Now, again, I know there's been bad teaching on money and all these things. It's like the church just wants our money. That's not it at all. God wants you to have a heart of generosity. That's the important thing. And, and God wants us to not have the assumption that everything in our hands is for our own consumption. And so uh, one of the things we see modeled in the Old Testament is this idea that, you know, giving back 10% to God. That's what Jacob does. And, you know, um, but, but again, I don't know where you're at, uh, you know, but maybe again, it's like, hey, I've been taking kind of the generosity of God for granted. And I need to ramp up my generosity in some way. It, whether it's giving back to your local church, um, or, you know, we're going to have, a, uh, in a couple weeks, we're going to do like a Compassion Sunday. We're going to have some um, uh, Compassion Kids that you can sign up for and sponsor. Our, our family, we sponsor four. That's a great ministry. Maybe there's something else. My heart as your pastor is that you just are generous with your time, your money, your talents, in whatever ways that you can be a blessing towards others. We see Jacob, that's one way he's going to say, hey, I'm going to start tithing, give 10% back to God. So again, I don't know your story. I can tell you, though, since I got my first job at 14, started bagging groceries at Erickson's New Market in Plymouth, uh, from, from the time of 14, I'm 43 now, uh, I have tithed the first 10%. And I can tell you that in my life of that, whatever that is, 30 years, uh, God has always taken care of me. God has blessed me. Um, God has met all my needs. And, and I don't regret that for the 30 years or so that I've given the first 10% back to him. It's just something that I just was modeled. It's not dumb. Uh, it's kind of like Bible reading. This isn't that. It's done for decades. So again, I don't know where you're at. But just thing to think about. So what's your next step today? Is it that, that step of salvation of being like, man, I need to take that step and, and start this relationship for myself? Is it you need to set up some kind of stone of remembrance like, like Jacob does here to say, hey, I want to remember this thing in particular. Maybe, again, you've been great at that with different things in your life. But maybe there's something recent where you got some good news and you're like, man, I want to do something to remember this. I, I think, especially as, as Western Christians, we don't do a great job uh, sometimes like throwing parties and remembering and doing things. We just kind of keep the same thing, right? We don't do a great job of mourning or celebrating sometimes. So maybe you need to throw a party for something. I don't know. Um, and the third thing, maybe you need to start tithing. I don't know. What is God speaking to you right now? Where is the Holy Spirit whispering to you? I just think, imagine how differently our church, our community would look. If, you know, we took these steps of, of, of being in a relationship with God and trusting him that even at our lowest moments that he's with us, that we, we, we raise up these stone of remembrances to remember all the ways God's been with us, if we were generous with, with all of our stuff, I think our communities would look different. 
Uh, I'm going to pray, and then our band's going to come back up and lead us in one last song. Uh, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the story of Jacob, uh, this trickster who really has nothing going for him. But God, you in your infinite grace, you come down and you save him and you meet with him and you pour out your blessings. And God, I thank you that in our lives too, when we are not worthy, God, you give us grace and you give us your son and, and so many gifts and the gift of friendship and community and church and all these things. And so God, I pray that we wouldn't take it for granted. We wouldn't take the beauty of May in Minnesota for granted and, and friendship and just someone who knows our name. And God, just thank you for all those blessings. I pray, God, that we would take time to, to remember, to celebrate. God, I pray for if there's anyone here in the room or who's watching online and they haven't taken that faith step to, to start a salvation uh, journey with you and to know you, God, that they would take that step to just put their faith and trust in you. And you say, God, I don't have all the answers, but I know I'm a sinner, and I want to put my faith and trust in you, and I want you to be the leader of my life. And God, maybe there's just some people here who uh, just realizing that, that you're calling them to take that next step of generosity, whether it's tithing or just sponsoring a compassion child or just whatever that is, God. I pray, God, that we just we'd, we'd be a people of generosity, a people that, that bless others, that your blessings flow through us. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of this building and, and friendship. And I pray, God, that you would just continue to be with us this week and as we head into Memorial Day, that you would just keep um, those who are traveling safe. Uh, God, that we would just um, have time to connect with good friends and with you this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.